Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Okay, so without further ado, uh, my recently made friend who I've very much enjoyed getting to know both personally and also through stalking him online, Dan Brock, the Deadbeat Super Affiliate. How are you, my man? Jeff, thanks for having me on, man. It's a great pleasure to be here. Yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know that uh, it's, it's a busy life, the life of a deadbeat man. Your schedule, I'm sure, is just jam-packed with appointment to appointment to appointment to appointment, right? I'm, I'm kidding. That's, at least your brand would suggest that's not the case. But regardless, I, I really appreciate you being here. And I, um, I'll just kind of set the stage for everyone on how we met. And then I want to just dig in with questions. Um, we met at an event called WebinarCon which was an event, I thought it was a really amazing event, um, where it's basically a lot of top marketers, people who generate sales uh, and do marketing on the internet. It's about 100 people there. I think at one point, didn't they say there were like $1.6 billion in webinar sales represented in the room or something like that? Did I catch that right? Yeah, I imagine so. Everyone was pretty, uh, pretty high level. That was actually it's fun to be there because you think you walk in, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm the man, I'm the man. And then right. you're like, ah, crap. Yeah, I'm not the man. Fact, to go. <laughs> that, guy's, that guy's been the man for like 25 years. Like guys like, like uh, you know, Perry Belcher and Matt Basak. It was pretty, pretty cool to meet those guys. But, but anyway, so, so Dan and I met at this event. And, uh, you know, there's just a world of people out there. And that's, that's really the intent of my channel uh, at least this series of interviews on my channel and um, a lot of what I do on my show, it's my intention here is to open the eyes of the world, the main, call it the mainstream world, who may not yet have gotten the memo, or if they got the memo, they didn't read it, or if they read it, they didn't fully comprehend it, that like the world has really changed. And it's not just, uh, it's not just a 16-year-old's whimsical dream it's a very realistic thing in this world to completely transform your quality of life using what i call new economy skills and tools um and this was a you know where the event where dan and i met was a room full of people that have done that and i like to bring them on to my show here and talk to them so dan um if you wouldn't mind i I would just love it if you could let's maybe start by Telling me about this, tell, telling the audience, uh, please, about this deadbeat concept. I, I get that it, I mean, it's, I think it's awesome, first of all, from a branding standpoint. And it's, it's super tongue-in-cheek, but like, we all know that the key to being a successful deadbeat isn't necessarily really being a deadbeat, right? Like, you got to apply yourself and get good at certain things. Can you maybe share with us how you became a professional deadbeat? Yeah, so I was always a Warren Buffett fan when I was um, somewhere five or six. I heard the quote, I think it was on like a live interview. I heard him say that if you can't, if you don't learn how to earn money while you sleep, you'll work until you'll die. And um, based off of school, you know, it's probably, I don't know, first, second grade, third grade or so. I'm looking around. I figured like the teachers are working hard. I know they weren't making much money. So clearly like working really hard was not the answer because everyone I knew working around me was working really hard yet. They didn't have all the things that, um, you know, would that wealthy people have. So I figured working hard is not the solution. Now, obviously work, working hard at smartly is, is the solution, but if you really get good at earning passive income, which I think is a skill, a mindset and a skill, um, you can still work 
average amount and earn more than you would if you just, you know, but busted out each day killing yourself for, you know, a wage. So that's, that's the concept of being a deadbeat then is like you, a deadbeat, you earn the right to be a deadbeat. It sounds like you don't just, you know, people that start there, it does not go well. But if you apply yourself, like you said, uh, passive income, and I love that you said that passive income is a skill. And I think that's, that's an interesting statement. And if you apply yourself to that, then you can earn the right to be a deadbeat. And it's, you know, I think about it in my life. I've never used it, thought about it in these terms, but like, yeah, I've earned the right to be a deadbeat. If I want to, if I want to chill, I can chill. You know, it's what we're, we're having this conversation at 12, 17 PM in my time zone on a Friday. And I was a little bit late to our meeting here because at 11 a.m. on a Friday, I decided I wanted to go out for a, a, walk, a jog and a walk. I mean, for, that's for me, that's chilling. It was like, who's going to stop me? Nobody told me I couldn't. So I did, right? But you earn that. And you mentioned passive income is a skill. And there's almost an irony in that statement because typically when we think of things that are passive, we think of things that are happening to us, not things that we're actually making happen, right? And yet, if something's a skill, it means we, go out, we have to go out and do it. So maybe can you talk a little bit more about how you came to realize that passive income was a skill? Was there somebody that modeled that for you? And then upon having realized that, how did you go about learning the skill and you know, achieving the result? Yeah, Warren Buffett. I mean, I've, I've mentioned that before. He's always a big like uh, uh, role business role model role model for me. Um, one thing I, I like to clarify though is that you see you say passive income, or we say passive income. Even passive income, you have to do work. Like let's just take investing in a stock, uh, the stock market, a business, uh, a business, and a business that's not yours. You're still gonna have to spend time sifting through the good businesses, learning up in that business, uh, watching it ever so often if you pick a nice long-term business with good financial stability, you still want to keep an eye on that business. So yeah, it's passive in the sense that you're not actively out there putting labor constantly in it. But um, that, that's the part of the skill of passive income is learning how to identify those activities that will allow you to create income with, without direct input of energy and energy in there. Um, so that's just one little caveat there. I guess what I'm saying, this is back to go back to something you were saying earlier about how people can change their lives really quick. Um, with intellectual property in particular that, you know, that'd be videos, uh, blog posts and all that you can, you can earn passive income with that. But the cool, the double edged sword of this industry is that you, you can come up fast, but you can also fall down fast. Meaning that you can be the guy it take you six months to be the guy. And if you fall off, just like look at some of the guys that were big just two years ago, people forget quick. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, the internet, internet marketing in the sense that you can, you can rise quickly, but also fall quickly. But there is ability in there to create passive income. So when your, your falls and your, throughout your falls and your rises, a properly developed business will allow you to at least hold on to that income regardless if you stop working or not. You know, I, I really appreciate that you said that, um, the, talking about the rise and fall, the ups and downs. I mean, I, first of all, it's, it's kind of personally poignant for me because I've totally had it. I mean, it's, I've been online since 2008. And for my first three years, I was like, I was kind of the man. I was like an, a rising star in this one affiliate marketing community. 
then I made some changes and I kind of tapered off for a couple of years. Then I launched a new program and I was high again. And then I crashed again. And I started my agency from scratch. It took me three years to build that back up to where I was, you know, you know, doing something of significance. I felt again, did that for a couple of years, sold it. Now I'm a nobody again, you know, and now I started, I've spent the last year and a half, building building my brand from essentially from scratch and it's weird because like you can be a big fish in a really small pond and think that you're kind of a big deal but like in the world at large you know nobody necessarily knows who you are right I've spent the last year and a half working my butt off to build YouTube content and Facebook content and um, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you mean when you say that underneath all that, there can be a through line of very consistent income um, and kind of what you're referring to, what your strategies are there to the extent that you're comfortable sharing. Um, what is your sort of formula for, for baking passive income into the foundation of everything that you're doing that may, you know, superficially look like it's really up and down? Yeah. So I, I, this is probably not the tactic that everyone's looking for, but I've learned a lot to focus more on things outside of business, like keeping a good, ment good strong mental ability. Um, not like, for example, when your business is going down, you, your personal life has a tendency to go down with it. So you'll start doing stupid stuff like drinking, hanging out with people you probably shouldn't be hanging out with, um, you know, smoking pot, whatever, whatever your vice right, is. Right. So when you're on that downstream, like the, your personal life will kind of come in, into a, an alignment uh, on that as well. So over the years, I've been doing this since about 2000, year 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. Wow. So in my early career, I kind of like went with the flow. Um, but I've learned even in, in the upswings too, is not to get, let your ego and your kind of like pride get in the way and make you think you're better than you really are. Um, even though I, and we started off the video, I'm saying, oh, I'm the man, I'm the man. I don't really believe that internally. Um, just through sheer experience, that's what's going to keep you from, from losing your the vast part of your momentum when the tides of business change, which always happens because um, business in general is a, a constantly moving target. You could have the right idea this year and you could do everything right. It's just the fact that maybe the market changes or you invested more into a project that you should have. And you might write these off as being failures, but it's really just the fact that the market, and it could genuinely be a failure, but it's the fact that the market changed and you can really let, once you, if you, if you let your head get too large, you can take that as a personal, um, a personal hit on your kind of uh, self-confidence and ego when really it's just kind of the natural order of things. And, and that is what prevents you from going down with the business with the knowledge that you keep yourself, you're the same person in, in success and in failure. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, as far as the income side of things, making a bunch of videos, a bunch of blog posts, you, while a lot of the, the hits, like you'll have videos that really hit, hit well. Problem with those is that everyone else will see that those are hits and then they're going to want to create their own. So those types of topics will become more competitive and you can of course cut through the competition. But where I'm going at with this is if you have a lot of content while your bigger ones might be your bigger videos or your better products, while those get knocked off, you'll still have those kind of smaller little, uh, little like traffic or like business um, uh, honey holes that can really keep you going and keep, keep that self-confidence going when um, the bigger deals kind of fall through. Man, I, I think you, you just really spoke to me and to my life and probably to kind of a universal lesson um, talking about 
the consistency of production where it's kind of what you do between your big spikes and your big drops. It's all the little things that happen in between those, the less spectacular things that are actually the consistent, uh, you know, the, the consistent, I don't know, the seeds you plant, I guess, right? That over time, when the big thing is up, it's easy to think that everything is all about the big thing. And then when the big thing is down, you're like, oh, everything is lost because the big thing is down. But if you've been planting lots of seeds all the time along the way, you said honey holes. I like that term. You'll have all these little other things that you can come along to. And I think about in my life, like, you know, there've been times like when my first affiliate marketing platform crashed and then I, or the thing that I was doing, it, it basically just went away. All my income went away. And then I had to start up a new thing. And in that, in that roughly one year gap, it was like, what did I actually live off of? I lived off of my investment properties that I had been, you know, in a really unsexy, unspectacular way. I'd been working hard behind the scenes to acquire these few rental houses that got me through that gap. And then I think about after I, uh, there was a period of time between my agency, well, no, I, whatever, the time doesn't matter. But when I was retooling my, my current business and what got me through, it was this little e-com store that I had built that sells one niche product in a tiny little niche that probably most people have never heard of that literally paid all my bills for six months. And it's, it's like you say, I mean, if I'm, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, what you're saying is the key is to stay consistent and never stop planting seeds because you never really know which one's going to sprout. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll, there's also, a, there's a good lag period behind when you, fir- you plant that seed to when you can harvest it. Um, if you're, I don't know if you're a Jeff Bezos fan or not, but uh, he says everything with Amazon, everything, the results you see today are things are results of things that they did two years ago. So with online business, it's not, doesn't take as long, but oftentimes you're going to you're going to reap what you planted about a year a year ago, or at least several months ago, unless you're doing like freelance or any more direct uh, income production activities, but that typically loses the passive um, income and the scalability also that that goes along with it. Uh, One final final, uh, concept that you had there that sparked an idea. Um, It's very important not to get sucked into defining yourself with materialistic things because what'll happen is I've seen this all the time. I did this when I was younger. You go out, you make all this money, you do stupid things like buy a house you can't afford, buy a car that you probably shouldn't have. Um, and then you start to, to de- define yourself by those items and that success that you have. And the problem with that is that when the business turns, then you still have to float these big expenditures that you have. And it often, often it's, it takes a while to kind of mentally let loose of those things because you've come become so wrapped up and defined by that car or that, you know, used to going out to eat, spending three or 4,000 a month, that becomes part of your identity. And it takes a long time to, to separate yourself from that. And meanwhile, you're bleeding your bank account dry. And in business, uh, especially in, in a, a very cyclical one or one where it's fast moving, you need to have a very lean lifestyle in order to, or a lot of passive income to make up for that in order to kind of play the game once you, once you, what was once working um, doesn't work anymore. So that frugality that you build through really only failure or uh, uh, unless that was part of your upbringing, that is what's going to keep you in the game and to live the fight another day rather than busting out because you blew it on crack and hookers or you know, cards, whatever, whatever your vice is. <laughs> Sorry, that run and that and crack and hookers, man. 
that's good. Um, so, okay. So let me, so, so you've been doing this since 2000. Yeah, about 2000, 2001. So you're 20 uh, years deep in this, in this online entrepreneurial game, which means you knew that there was a new economy a long time before most people realized there was a new economy. Yeah. Right? I mean, it just, it, it just made sense. I'm just thinking it, it just made a lot of sense. More, more, more people are adopting it. Um, I saw other online businesses starting to do like PayPal, eBay. So those are like the concept of proof there. Um, that's, that's when I, I was like, okay, there's definitely something behind this thing. And I figured I'm just gonna go all in and I was still young at the time. So you have a lot more ability to take these, these, these risks where if it doesn't pay out, you're like, oh, okay, well, if I just blow three or four years, not a big deal. I'll learn a lot of stuff along the way. I can still go to plan B, which would be like learn some kind of traditional skill or talent or whatever. Right. Uh, then, uh, you, you, you you have the ability to take those early on risks nowadays since it's so proven and it's pretty clear online is never going to go anywhere just look at the the situation right now we have people stuck at home there's two things no one's going to quit is the uh, cancel their online internet and like netflix and probably amazon those right. three things will never go away so at least in our our lifetime so um yeah it just it just made a lot of sense to me and i also like to i like to I have more fun being a pioneer or a trailblazer rather than kind of a follow the lead of some other winners out there, which is totally a, a great, it's probably a smarter way to go, but I guess I'm a sucker for punishment and I like to climb up and, and get beat up a little bit and fall down and climb back up. That's just fun. That's fun to me in a real sick way. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you're mentioning what's going on in the world right now and, you know, depending on when people see this, they may not realize it, but as we're shooting this, the world's basically on lockdown because of this COVID-19 uh, virus, which I'm even 20 years from now, I'm sure if somebody sees this video, like this is probably a pretty historical event that everybody will know what we're talking about. But like, we're basically on quarantine right now. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I talked to a lot of people and I've even started putting out a lot of content around this, around this. And you almost have to be kind of delicate how you say it, but like, you know, Dan, I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine what's true for me is true for you too, which is that right now, it's almost like we win either way. Because if people are forced to stay home, that means they're online consuming more internet content, which is good for our businesses. But if people are forced to go back to their jobs, then it means they're back at their jobs and they're back to being dissatisfied with their jobs. So then when they're coming home at night, they're going online and looking up internet content and trying to figure out alternative strategies and side hustles. And that's good for us too. So like we actually are, we are positioned uniquely in this world to win either way. And by being, by being internet-based marketers. And I think that, you know, at risk of sounding insensitive to say that when so many people are suffering right now, let's not throw the lesson out with the empathy or the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I want to be sensitive, but I also want to make sure people hear that. Like, this new economy, at risk of making a black and white statement, is a better way to live. It's a better place to be than the old economy, because the old economy is more restrictive, it's, it's more rigid, it's less uh, freedom-based, and it's decaying over time as opposed to this, which is still, which is growing, I believe, you know, booming over time. And uh, I'm curious, you know, what your experience has been since this, since the world's been on shutdown the last, you know, several weeks and maybe a month now. Uh, are you seeing 
more people kind of flocking to this kind of a thing? Yeah, for, uh, the first point there you made, um, I, I just like go out and just say it on my YouTube channel because it's the truth. And, and if, if it probably does come off a little insensitive, but in, in you have to rationally look at things and that's, that's the right. fact of the matter. So I just say it like it is. Um, and I do believe once people taste the forbidden fruit, which is that of working from home, they will never want to go back. So they'll no, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured that's going to be a boom. The other, uh, other half of the equation, people are going to start doing more shopping online because that's once you get used to it and realize it's actually, and this has been a course happening over the last 10 years, but more so in the going forward, people are going to be doing all of their shopping online and except for maybe food, even that's starting to get uh, nibbled out a little bit from the online side, but people will come more accustomed to that. So online business and every, almost every niche that you can think of will, I believe do much better. Although right now there's, pullbacks on certain types of topics. But once this blows over, which I think it will in the next six months, somewhere around there, um, you know, minus the about like three to four years of people to overcome any kind of fear, uh, starting from like the trauma of this situation. I think that we will be back to where we were three, four or five, maybe six years. And um, that's a long time to really be positioned in the right place. So uh, to answer your other question, yeah, I'm seeing like a lot more views on my channels. My open rates are going up. There's definitely a lot more enthusiasm about uh, the particular topic of starting an online business. Um, so, so there's truth to it. I just say it. I just say, um, yeah, this is how it is. Um, it really sucks that people are dying and getting sick. Um, and, I, and I have a lot of sympathy for people in those situations, family and all that. It's just that as far as uh, professional and career, you, you have to stay single-minded focused and um, try to try to ignore the negatives and stay positive. Yeah. I heard a, do you ever, you ever watch the show Ozark? Uh, actually I just saw like, yeah, yeah, I do. There's a, there's a, you know, obviously season three just came out. There's a great line in it. I forget who said it. I think it might be the wife. Cause you know, she's pretty hardcore. And she said something like, are we going to, are we going to do your feelings? Or she, no, she goes, are we good? are we going to do your feelings some more? Cause like her husband was like boohooing about something. She's like, Hey, are we good? Or do we need to do some more feeling stuff? And I kind of feel like that's like the world we're in. Like, listen, we all have feelings and now's a time when people are really in their feelings and they're in their fear, which by, by the way, do you, do you notice how often people get in their feelings when they get in their fear? Because fear is a feeling. And that's, you know, and feelings to me are an unreliable guide for life. And then like, okay, let's do all the feeling stuff. Let's have all the sympathy. Let's be pragmatic. Let's make sure that we're tending to the medical. Let's all do everything that we can now. Okay. Let's plan for the next 10 years. Because like you said, medically, this may blow over in three months. Economically, this may blow over in six to 12 months, but culturally, this is probably not going to blow over for years. And you're, that's either going to, that's either going to be a win for you or a loss for you, depending on what you do for a living, honestly. And so what I'm hearing you say is like, position yourself now to win. Uh, yeah. Um, I think a lot, a lot of success depends on being, on being rational. And uh, that's, I think that's also another skill that you build up. It's very, let's take a, a, a more extreme example. Let's say you live in uh, some really bad neighborhood where people are just dealing drugs on the corner. It's hard for you to get high quality food. Um, you mm -hmm. might be two weeks away from being thrown out, on your, uh, thrown out 
from your apartment or whatever, it's going to be very hard to be rational and, and to think any more f- further down the line than like two or three days, maybe like two weeks if, if you have some particular talent to, to remaining rational under tough times. Uh, so in order, th- this is a bit of a tangent, but um, in order to stay rational, it, it helps be very prepared beforehand in the sense that you, know, you, div- you create your life uh, around very disciplined habits and staying away from anything that will keep you emotional. I noticed looking at the, the new, I had, to, I had to shut off all the news. Like I got this app called self-control app. Um, I had to block Yahoo. I had to block a lot of the stock sites because it really throws you off. Just being success requires rationality is what I, I, I've come to realize. Yeah. So Jocko, and I, I, you know, I think it's just a Navy SEAL thing in general, always says that discipline equals freedom or freedom through discipline he talks about, which is, a, you know, kind of, a, again, a counterintuitive statement. You think discipline is about restriction. It's about limitation, but it's really not. Discipline is about freedom, you know, good habits. Uh, like you said, you know, being the same person in successes and failures tough times and easy times, tense times and relaxed times, having that discipline to just know who you are, know your habits, know your routine, know your priorities and your values, and just stay the course. You know, there has been nothing, and I, 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 selfishly, I want to talk to you about this because there's been nothing in my life that's been a greater exercise of discipline than since uh, September 2018. So it's been about a year and a half I decided it's time to make a YouTube channel. It's just, it's time for me as a marketer. You know, I've been online for 10 years. I'd never, I'd never done a YouTube video because I was an affiliate. I did behind the scenes stuff. I bought, you know, I bought traffic. I ran search traffic. I did, you know, you didn't, I didn't need YouTube, right? I wasn't a public brand. And a year and a half ago, I said, I'm going to start making video content. And I settled into a pace where for a long time I was producing something every day and now I produce something every other day and I don't deviate from that. It's like, it's, it's as, it's as certain as brushing my teeth that every other day I will put out a well thought out, organized, cogent, valuable YouTube based training. And it's interesting because in a year and a half, my channel, I actually, as we're doing this, I literally hit 3,000 subscribers last night. Um, so, you know, that's a milestone for me, right? But YouTube is a place that rewards consistency almost on an extreme basis. Um, so, I'm curious. I mean, you've got, you know, you're approaching 200,000 subs. Um, what's been your strategy? What's been your experience and how much is that a part of these habits that you're talking about, about planting seeds and building passive income and just doing the same things on an ongoing basis to get, you know, that predictable result? Yeah, there's no secret really. It's just to, to really find that um, inner drive that, that makes you want to succeed. Um, it's not like something I think you really put in the words. One thing that helped is, is, is again, and this is like the stuff people don't want to hear, but it's really just to get your personal personal side of things in line. That'll just keep you a lot more motivated to, to create videos. Um, being consistent on YouTube is definitely important. It's difficult to do, especially if you have a business sitting behind it, because there are 
you know, it takes a lot. It takes a, at least at least sixty percent of your focus to do YouTube because um, it's hard. It's, it's hard to do in, in competitive spaces. There are some where you just do it once and you, the videos will stick around for a while. But in really competitive spaces of like online marketing, finance, personal finance, and all that, you better be putting a lot of your effort into it because some nutball is over there doing it one hundred percent of his time. Right. So if you have a business sitting behind there like I do, uh, it's very in the the. The, the, the mindset between the two is completely, but completely different. One mindset of the, the showmanship, kind of personality mindset, uh, you know, the artistic video editing mindset is completely different than sitting behind the scenes and building up uh, the analytical side of a business, putting systems into place. So it's very difficult to switch back and forth. Um, this is not part of your question, this is not a part of your answer, but uh, not the, the complete direct answer to your question. But as far as staying consistent with that, it really just depends on what you want to do in the sense that do you want to be the YouTube guy or like the YouTube celebrity? You can make a lot of money doing that. Or do you want to be a business owner that has a YouTube business that drives traffic, a YouTube channel that drives traffic to his business? Personally, I think that's the best route because for me, because I, I, don't, I, don't, I never, when I set out to just do online business, it was never to be an online personality. That's just kind of a requirement of, building the business. So my, I think it's more challenging and more rewarding personally to build something that can withstand um, the test of time. And YouTube channel is kind of, depending on the niche that you're in, is not quite that answer. Because even if you look at Ty Lopez, he was the guy, he was the guy not like less than a year ago. And I think he took off like four months. He's like, no one, he still has a following, but it's like nowhere near what it was. So where I'm going with this is it just depends on what you do, what, what, what you want to do. I know it's like PewDiePie, for example, he really likes making videos. So he's able to do it every day. I personally hate making videos. I hate every minute of it. I, it hurts. It hurts, my eye, it hurts my eyes. It hurts my mind. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just a requirement, though. So it's just like I'll do, I'll do it anyway. And, you do it, and after you do it enough, it actually does start to become fun, especially when you get that momentum. But it – it just depends on your goal, whether you'll stick and consistent or not. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that because, you know, we live in a world now and, and, and for my business, I don't know how much you know about like my business behind my brand. It's like you said that you have this public facing brand, but is that your whole business or is that just, you know, uh, a magnet for, for your actual business? And for me, I'm like you, I have a whole business behind everything that people see which is an education company. And in that education company, I teach, uh, I teach various new economy business models. Um, and, and, you know, obviously a lot of that comes down to marketing. And I tell people all the time, like we live in a video content based world. And so your marketing, it's, it's frankly very unlikely that you're going to have a wildly successful marketing strategy that doesn't involve some kind of video content. And, and I would say this to a chiropractor. I would say this to an auto mechanic. I would say this to an online marketer. Like the world consumes video now. And, you know, for a lot of people, there's a lot of pain mentally associated with the idea of having to create videos. And it's like you said, it, it, I mean, I just heard you. I, first of all, I love that you said that. I mean, you've been, you, I'm looking at your channel right now. You've been putting videos online for four years. You have, I, I, I'm not counting them, but clearly hundreds of videos. You've amassed 
uh, almost 200,000 subscribers, which I know enough about the metrics to know that not only does this feed your main business, but you also make a good amount of money just from the channel. Uh, assuming, I, I can only assume you have monetization turned on these videos. So, all of that to say, you've been doing something for four years that is not your naturally favorite and most fun thing to do. Like there's some pain associated with it for you, but you do it because you have a big goal, right? In other words, freedom through discipline, right? It's like going to the gym. I don't, you know, I go to the gym religiously. Before, prior to this quarantine, I could count the number of days that I've missed going to the gym on my two hands in, uh, in the last four years when I kind of got serious about it again. But you know what? I don't actually love the moment by moment experience of being at the gym. But I love everything that comes with it. I have a big goal for my life. So tell me about you, man. Like, what is your, not even so much what's your big goal that your power, but more like, how do you think you became this person that's willing to do the work to feed the big goal? When I'm sure if you line 100 people up on the street and say, hey, do you have a big goal or something you want out of life? They'll all say yes, but 99 of them won't do the work. How did you become the one that'll do the work? That's actually what I want to know. I figure not everyone, can, not everyone gets to live um, a great life. And, and the one thing that stops people from doing is doing the work. So, I mean, the, the, the difference between the two is the work in between. So like, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like doing the YouTube videos, but you do get a certain amount of satisfaction once you see like, oh, wow, I did 100 videos, I did 200, I did 300, I did 400 videos. Looking back on that, you're like, whoa, it's a, that could be a good self uh, source of self-confidence to know that you did this thing you really hate doing, but you got good, great results with it. Not only that, but you got better at it, and it almost to the point where you might in, enjoy it sometimes. Like, I'm having fun doing the interview for sure. Uh, doing the actual static YouTube videos, uh, the first 50, I hated every second of it, and then, like, you get a little better, and then you start seeing yourself getting improvements, and once you start seeing progress, I think that really does help your overall mood, even though uh, you might, your self-confidence improves, even though you might hate the actual aspect of doing the videos. But also, the, the I, I've always wanted to be self-created and not have to rely on someone else to, to, uh, to be entirely self-reliant and not have to rely on some other dude to, to give me money and have to, you know, grovel and pander to someone else in order to, to see success, which will always be very limited because no one... What, what person is going to be like, sure, let me just, let me, let me make sure, let me help make you the most successful you could possibly be. Right. No one's going to do that for you. So if you have a, the ambition to want to have, a, uh, have more out of life and to, to live a life that, that's really second to none, you're going to, you're going to do the work if you really want to do that bad enough. Now, you can ply yourself with, um, you know, temporary escapes, video games, alcohol, weed, whatever it is. Um, and some people can do just fine doing that. But if you're, if you have a purpose and a mission and, and a desire to want to achieve uh, great things, uh, unordinary things, you you, you will um, it'll you'll find it very hard not to do that. Find mentally very hard. You won't be able to. You mentally you, your mental health will suffer because you're always be sitting there like, man, I'm not doing my goal. Like I'm sitting here just wasting time or I'm not being the best person I could possibly be. And each moment of that really starts to actually hurt even more so than the pain of create, building and creating again, at least from my experience. Yeah, I, I totally feel what you're saying. I, and I actually, while you were talking, I went and looked 
So I started in, like I said, September 2018, probably October is when I posted the first video. And I've done 226 videos. And that's including some ad videos. So maybe if somebody, you know, maybe 190 of them are actually visible on the channel or something. But yeah, I'm like, that's an actual body of work, you know? And it's, and it is, it's hard. It's, I mean, these interviews, these are the fun, easy ones. But like to organize lesson-based content and deliver it, on video is hard work. It really is. And um, it's, it, so it is I, a lot like going to the gym, like it's hard and it's grueling. And, but it's, but for me, it's worth it because like you said, I, I, I feel a lot of kinship with the things that you're saying where like, it's been so obvious to me from such a young age that like you said, you're never going to have a boss or work for a company that truly, that truly puts your self-interest first. Why would they? That would be a bad business. A business is the number one goal of business is to earn a profit. That's actually the number one goal of business. And I don't care how politically correct our world gets. I promise you go to the investors, you go to the board members, you go to the stakeholders in that business, and you put them under a heat lamp, you give them pentothal, pen, sodium pentothal or whatever makes them tell the truth. And you say, what's the number one most important thing in your business? The answer is making money because if they don't do that, they don't have a business. So there's no way that they could put their employees or their contractors or their vendors or anybody above that goal, right? So if you want to work for a boss that, has your, that puts your self-interest first, the only way to do that is to work for yourself. That's been so obvious to me from day one. And it sounds like it's been obvious to you. You know, I've never had a, I actually have never had a job. I had a job for three weeks when I was 16 years old and I got fired. And I was happy to get fired because I was, I would have quit anyways. And I real, and, and it, what was already obvious to me was didn't at that point validated, which is these people don't care about me. They can't, they, they literally can't afford to. And frankly, it would be silly for me to even ask them to. If somebody comes along that can do my job better and cheaper, they should fire me, right? That's good business. So I never want to work for anyone else again. And I never have. That's my story. I would, do you mind sharing your story? You mentioned being in school and having this kind of awareness, but what was the journey to actually putting it into practice as much as you're comfortable sharing your kind of your personal story? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've only had one job too. Uh, I, I, there was a, there was a, I, I don't, I think it just depends on the type of personality that you are. If you consider yourself to be kind of like a dominant winner, you're not going to want to work on work under anyone. Um, but let's be real though. Like if you, if you stop from producing even on your own, you're going to be fired in the sense the marketplace will fire you. So you're going to be under that gun all the time. But if you, there's a certain personality that just can't take the humiliation of having to, you know, bow down to uh, another person, I think is what really uh, the avoidance of wanting to be like humiliated like that will um, propel someone to want to do their own thing. Now, I think a lot of people who are that take jobs would be totally fine with doing that. And there's nothing. There's, in fact, be, being working for someone is like it's 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 very mentally taxing to be your own to be your own boss. It's not a glamorous thing that everyone um, says says it's going to be. Like I never, even over the last twenty years, it's still a constant pit in my stomach to sit in the lower, you know, right behind like where the belt buckle is. That just never goes away. I wake up feeling it, even no matter how much money I'm making, I still feel that pit of uncertainty. And I think that that's one of the trade-offs that you get 
uh, when you work for someone, you can have that warm comfort of, of the group and uh, to know that, you know, you're not going to have to, you won't be left out. You'll be left out either way, but at least you can tr trick yourself into thinking that. So that, that is um, a, a feeling that you have, there's a price you have to pay in order to, uh, to work for yourself. And that's that, I think it's solely that right there. But as far as wanting to be your own boss, I think the difference is, is like, do you want to be the dominant person or the subordinate in, in a situation, or do you mentally handle having to um, be, be like the weaker, the weaker person in the, in the equation? I don't, I don't know, yeah, it, it, honestly, dude, there was something pretty, pretty genius that you just said, or, or at least it landed with me. Where, where and you kind of said it offhand. You're like, you're like, well, you know, that you get this comfort, right? You wrap yourself in this blanket when you go to a job, right? This comfort, and you're like, or at least you can kind of trick yourself into thinking because you're actually on the hook either way, right? Or like whatever you said, it, it was so casual, but actually, it's so real. And by the way. Are we not learning that right now in the world that we live in? That the, the su supposed comfort of having a job and going and trading your energy for a paycheck is a very illusory and fleeting comfort based on some variables that you don't have control over. And, and in effect, it's interesting. I think there's a, there's a coupling of being able to tolerate uncertainty is actually coupled with having more control. I think that, that people that re reject the feeling of uncertainty, do most people do that by trading uncertainty for the illusion of control, not actual control, the illusion of control. Whereas you and I, who wake up every day with that pit, and I know that pit, man, I have it too, but we actually have more control. It's kind of like the matrix. I mean, for lack of a better analogy, it's like the we're awake. So we actually know how screwed up everything is, but in the knowing and the terror of the knowing is actually exists, whatever control can actually be had, at least we can have it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, the one thing I think, um, I'm not, I ain't no scientist or anything, but I think we're, we're you know, we're back in, let's just say, the, the caveman era, whatever that was, you know, there was you needed you needed to be in groups in order to survive. If you were on your own, you get killed by all kinds of things. So this is a, the equivalent of that. And if you're if you're on your own, you're going to feel that anxiety and, and, and uncertainty, which is basically when you 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 leave to start your own thing. It's essentially living on your own in the wilderness, and you're going to be afraid. You're going to be afraid. You're gonna, you're going to be overanalyzing everything. You're going to be thinking, oh, here's a path of destruction here. This will get me over here, even though this stuff might not be real. But it's just like, I think it's just kind of like your instincts kicking in. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm on my own here. But as you do more of it, you get a little bit more comfortable with it. We never really get fully free of that feeling, but you, you can at least operate in that, in that kind of low grade fear that's constantly nagging at you. Um, and, and and I think that's uh, the real difference there. And uh, that's a bit of a tangent, but yeah, that's my well, First of all, my interviews are always just a series of hopefully interesting tangents. <laughs> that's why I don't even bother to lay out a, a course for these conversations because we wouldn't stay on it anyways. And I think a lot of the best stuff exists at the, the long arm of the tangent. But, <clears throat> you know, I was listening to uh, an interview with Elon Musk uh, this morning, actually, on YouTube, where he was talking about when 
Tesla got down to having one week of operating cash in the bank. And he couldn't find any investors that would bet on him. And, you know, we're thinking, oh, Elon Musk, well, you know, he, he sold, you know, he started PayPal with, you know, Peter Thiel and whoever else. And, and then he sold it and he made a billion dollars. So he's pretty much had it on easy street since then, right? Because once you have a billion dollars, it's easy to make, do more. Yeah. So Tesla has one week of cash left in the bank and he's put years of his life into this business. And he can't get any, he can't get a bank to loan him the money. He can't get investors to, to fund him the money. He can't get anybody to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And in fact, think about this. He's got some of the presumably smartest people in the world, these you know, billion dollar hedge fund managers and you know, investment bankers telling him that he's insane and that they would never put their money in, that's, that you know, his concept of battery-based cars is essentially a Ponzi scheme and that he's, you know, he, they don't want to be around it. So he's having to not only say, all right, where am I going to come up with this money? But he's also got to stay in his mind and say, I'm not crazy. All the smartest people in the world are telling me that I'm an idiot, but I know I'm not. Think, like truly think about how hard that is to maintain. I mean, we get, we get rattled when like our husband or our wife is like, honey, are you sure that's a good idea? And we're like, ah, maybe, maybe I'm a loser. Maybe I'm insane. Maybe I should get a job. Like this guy's got a hundred of the smartest people in the world telling him that he's wrong. Think about the strength it took to say, I'm going to go to everything that's left of my billion dollars that I got when I sold PayPal and I'm putting it all into Tesla because nobody wants to invest in me. I'm going to invest in me. Imagine the freaking brass balls that it takes to say, I'm a billionaire and I'm betting it all on this new thing. And if I'm wrong, I just lost my billion dollars. And by the way, a hundred of the smartest people in the world all are telling me that I'm wrong. Think about that. That's like some Tony Stark stuff right there, man. That's like, you know, and he did it. And, and, you know, I'll bet you if we could get Elon Musk on this conversation and God willing, I get to talk to him someday. I'll bet you he has that pit in his stomach too. I think you're right, man. I don't think it ever goes away. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I imagine that he has a lot of faith in his productivity and his skill set to be, even if, you know, he probably real, knows in, in his, you know, in his mind that even if he does bankrupt himself, he can just start all over again. Uh, but even still, it's, that, that doesn't change the fact that it's, it's very hard to do. So that doesn't, I'm not trying to, to um, diminish that mental fortitude that it takes to, uh, no matter how, how confident you are, to do that. But I think the reason why is he willing to do that is because he trusts his ability. And I don't know him, so I could be totally wrong. I mean, I, I guarantee you you're right. But here's the thing. I, I'll bet you think the same thing. And I know I think the same thing. I, at the end of the day, the antidote for the fear that keeps people from pursuing the goal when the method is to do your own thing, because that's what it is. People have a goal and the way to reach the goal is to do their own thing, but they don't pursue it because of the fear that comes with doing your own thing. The antidote to that is actual skills and knowledge and the confidence that comes with knowing that you know how to do things. But the, 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 the twist is 
and this is where people get stuck, I think, a lot online. There's no way to actually know that your knowledge converts into results until you actually take the leap. So, like, a lot of people, you know, what I said is the antidote to the fear is the knowledge. But yet, how many people are there who are getting all this knowledge online, but yet they are still crippled by the fear? And it's a catch-22 because until you actually overcome the fear and take the leap, you never have the confidence that diminishes the fear. Right? I, I agree. Um, I, um, you know, I, I know that I'm a winner. I, I win. I've won constantly. Even though I've had failures, I know that deep down inside I'm a successful person. But even still, I have a high level of self-doubt every single day. Um, I, I, I really wish – I know when I was like uh, was like 16 or so, I, I thought I was God's gift to – I had the golden thumb. Like no matter what I did, I was successful. And then once you hit these big, these big failures or you, you've made really bad mistakes, you start to kind of lose that. But I think that's really you coming more into terms with the reality of the situation. Um, you can totally spend two to three years working every ounce of your energy and fail at it. I mean, it's – there's no rule that says that you could spend 100 hours a week for four years and, and you can be successful. You could be going totally down the wrong way. I've done it before. So um, I think, though, and this is not this is kind of opposite of what you're saying, but I think having a lot of self-doubt is, is, is you just becoming more experienced and smarter knowing that it, it might not work out every single time. Because let's look at the cruise industry, for example. They were killing it for so long. Look at them now there's a good chance every cruise line is going to go out of business because there are things you just can't control no matter how much you plan and sacrifice. But to agree with your point, the more competent you become in various skills, the more likely you know that, you know, let's say it does fail, I can always get back out of it, start over again. But it's funny, as you become more of a master in your craft, I feel like I know less. Like when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I know this skill, I know this skill. Now it's just kind of become part of who I am that I forget that I have all these skills. So maybe that's part of the increase in self-doubt is that it's now no longer a thing that sits in the front of your, your brain, rather it becomes part of your fiber. So you can't really think, oh, I know this skill. Like I, I, I'm really good at a lot of things, copywriting, selling, video, production, uh, graphics, uh, motivation, creating businesses, uh, networking, and a whole, a whole wide range of skills too, but I forget that I've spent many, many years doing it. So I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with that, but. Well, uh, no, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, and I think in a way where they're kind of two sides of the same coin, where whether you derive the confidence because you took the leap and, and succeeded, or you derive the confidence because you took the leap and failed, but lived to fight another day. In other words, it didn't kill you. Either way, you get the confidence after you take the leap, right? Like it doesn't always have to be a win because honestly, just being alive is a win. The way I look at it, you know, I get killed on my way to work and say, well, having a job killed me or, you know, or I try my own thing. And I always ask that question. It's like, I remember this one time when I had a big tax bill and because honestly, I mean, and this is not a strategic, uh, this is not a great strategy and certainly no, by no means is this giving advice, but there was one year of my life when I had taken the money that, that I was technically supposed to save to pay taxes because as a self-employed person, you have to do that. Um, and I had used it and, and I had had a choice to make to say, listen, if I don't reinvest this money in the business, the business can't grow. 
So I took the money that was supposed to be for taxes and I put it into growing my business. This was my agency, you know, several years ago. And that meant that at the end of the year, I, I couldn't pay my taxes unless the business hit certain thresholds. And, I, and there was a, a point where it was like, the only way out of this mess is to, is to accelerate through it. And I think a lot about uh, like when there's a wreck in like a stock car race, I don't know if you ever watched stock car racing. I don't watch this, but I know this. I learned this from the movie Days of Thunder that when you drive into us and, and I'm sure everything in, the, in that movie is 100% accurate and true, right? So I'm not, I'm probably going to have some actual racing fans tell me I'm an idiot, but I love the metaphor is that when you drive into a, a wreck on a stock, in stock car racing and there's like cars flipping over and tires are, are, you know, the rubber is melting and the tires are shredding and it creates a lot of smoke. So as a driver, you drive into a big cloud of smoke and you know that around you, cars are crashing into each other, but you can't see any of it, right? And your every human instinct is to hit, is to slam on the brake to try to protect yourself. But actually, the only way to get, the, the safest move is to floor it, to get out of the cloud as fast as possible because everything around you is slowing down too. The entire cloud is slowing down because it's all wrecking. Effectively, it's all applying the brake. So if you apply the brake, you actually slow yourself down to the same pace as the wreck. And so what you actually wanna do is speed up, but that's counterintuitive, right? It's like steering into a skid. And so I remember in that moment thinking, the only way out of this mess is I have to show up earlier, I have to work harder, I have to innovate more. I have to inspire my team more. If I have to get on the phone myself and close sales myself, I will. If I have to fulfill these deals myself to make sure that we retain our customers, I will. If I have to follow up with customers myself to see if I can upsell them and try to win more business, I will. The only way out of the mess was to get all the way through it. And I don't know if that resonates with you, but I kind of feel like we're having to make those calculated trades all the time in a way. And it, it, I think in a way, do you ever feel like it's kind of addicting? Like you're almost like a thrill junkie with this life? I personally don't succeed that way. Um, no? I've been there before. Uh, I, I, I've realized personally, like some people, you, you, you're probably like that, where like a lot of pressure forces you to do things. I do much more steady, I do way better steady state where I'm not having to catch up, um, catch up to like without getting behind the curve. I don't like being in that position. I've, but like I said, I've been there before. Uh, for me, it's not good mentally. It just burns me out. It's not worth the trade off. So personally, I like slow steady state um, consistently. And still, still, work, still, still working when it needs, working when I need to and not because I have to. Um, but it depends on the type of person you are. I don't do well that way. Well, like I said, it's definitely not a recommendation. And no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. You know, I try not to live that way either. But my point is things like that, those are the types of situations that people are so terrified of that they won't ever, that they, they make up these stories in their mind, like, well, I'm not going to ever take the leap in the first place. And, and I, I would suggest that you can't predict everything. You can't control everything whether you have a job or you own a business, that's equally true, but that surviving things is actually what makes you better, stronger, and more confident. And that 
and that it be, it fosters more success in the future. Like there are times when I do feel under the gun now and I'm like, yeah, but remember that other time when I was really under the gun and I pulled and I made it happen. Well, if I can do that, then I know I can do this. Right. And, um, and so I think, you know, I just think so often there's an epidemic, particularly for people in our business who we sort of, we teach and we, we spread the word about the opportunity that's on the internet. I don't, I mean, I, I feel this way. I feel like I'm constantly up against an epidemic of analysis based paralysis and, uh, knowledge consumption without implementation and action. Like, I feel like 99%, honestly, I feel that way. 99% of the people that hear me, see me, buy stuff from me, read stuff that I write, watch stuff that I publish, they're going to consume the information and they're going to go, yeah, yeah, I should do that. And then they're not going to do it. I feel that. I don't, do you feel that way? Is that your experience? Well, yeah, yeah. And it's this, I think it's, it's people that are, um, well, when you think about it, we go to school for however many years and that's what you do. You just sit there and stockpile information. Hmm. So had this been, um, and then, and then like you pass the test and then you get your job after 12, 20 years. Uh, I think you get kind of conditioned to think that you need that before you can jump in and try. I was never a good student. So I, I just was like, well, it made sense for me. It made sense for me to, to be a business owner because I knew I wasn't a good student and I like to take, I'm a hands-on learner. So I learned through experience and, um, trial and error, which is probably what they call that being a fool, learning through trial and error. But that's where, um, that's where I succeed. So it just makes, makes sense for me to do it. But a lot of people still like the, the stockpile of information. Like I'm not going to complain because that means people are going to buy more products right. in that regard. It, I, should, I, should, to, I should stop talking, right? Yeah, I'm not going to complain. I, I, really, I really want every person who buys themselves to be successful, but it's not like once they get over that, that need to be perfect and, and know everything before you go and take that first step is, um, is what I think holds a lot of people back. I, uh, that's funny. Actually, it's funny. We're talking about this. I wrote a, um, I like, you know, I published these quotes on my Instagram channel. They're like just little quote cards. Right. And so I, I write, I, I try to write all these quotes originally. <clears throat> I've only, I think I've only ever like reposted two or three quotes from people. I try to do the opposite of Jay Shetty basically. And, uh, you know, I wrote this quote yesterday <laughs> that I feel like I have to share because it's so relevant to what we're saying. Hold on, I'm pulling it up over here. I have this big list. I actually want to publish a coffee table book of all these quotes. I've written like 400 of them. And, um, but hold on, I'm scrolling down. This one is, uh, most people think they need more information to be successful when really they need less. Having less information leads to more action. Also, most people won't read this and my courses will still sell few. <laughs> um, but it's true. Yeah. Like I think that the, the surplus of information on the internet has, has turned the internet into another manifestation of the, the school dynamic that you're talking about, which is a lot of people sitting back and passively consuming this information. And in fact, more so than ever, because it's free there's so much of it. You can get it from any personality type that you want. If you don't like your teacher, you go click change the channel and learn it from a new teacher. And 
and and and so we're just kind of just sitting back like with like getting blasted by these fire hoses of information and really it's you know you keep saying it it's almost like we're apologetic we're like look i know people don't want to hear this but this the key is actually the mindset of going out and taking action you've said that at least two times right you're like i know this isn't the answer people want but it's really about your habits your discipline your drive whatever right so uh, you know, I guess, first of all, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of go back to this. You said, I, cause I asked you the question again and I don't, I feel like there's more to the answer where I said, how did you become the person, the one out of a hundred or whatever it is that has this goal to achieve this thing with the internet? And you and I both know there's millions of people that are out there saying, I want to achieve this lifestyle, this laptop lifestyle or whatever. Right. I want the internet to be my tool to set me free. And yet, very few people see it all the way through. Very few people are willing to do it for the years and years that it may take with the consistency and the, and the delayed gratification. How did you, how did Dan Brock get to be that guy? Did you, did somebody, I mean, you said Warren Buffett, but like, I feel like there's gotta be some more visceral modeling or teaching or experience or is it how you were brought up? Is it something that happened to you? Like, how the heck did you become the guy that would do this? Well, I think it has a lot to do with like sibling birth order. Um, if you're all my oldest child, so you're you're constantly need to be like the leader of of um, you know, the, your siblings. So um, that was one part of it. I always like being a uh, so that's part of like wanting to be a leader, so to speak. I think this comes just through um, nurture nature, whichever one you find applicable for that. Right. Um, I also like to win. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm a highly competitive person. Um, winning makes me feel good. I don't, I did, whenever I'm not winning, even when I'm in neutral, I just don't, I don't feel good mentally. Uh, it feels good to win and I don't really necessarily do it. I don't really care about materialistic stuff. I mean, I've had the Porsches and stuff. I bought them and they just sat around. So I just, I, I just like the feeling of accomplishment and achievement and, uh, and winning. I don't know what that, so if, you know, it's internet is just the internet business is just the means to an end. If I, if I could do it being a circus clown, I'd be a circus, circus clown. I'd be whatever, whatever, whatever it was to get to that, I would do. So it happened. It just so happens to be that one of the avenues to manifest your inner drive to create and endure time is online business or a, a software business, which I, or what pharmaceuticals, I think is another good industry, but um, whatever that, whatever that was, it just so happened to be online business. So and what is it? You said a way to manifest it. Tell me what your it is that you're manifesting where online business is your vehicle. Well, it's just to, you know, the manifest that inner greatness of wanting to achieve more and be more and not be forgotten at the end of your life, your lifespan you leave behind a, a small indelible mark on the world that says that you know, I was here. So that I think is the ultimate, I believe that would just be ambition is what that, that term would be, the ambition to wanna endure. So yeah, I, I noticed, uh, I, was, I watched your video um, on your YouTube channel that's the, uh, hold on, pause it, the Deadbeat Revolution Z Things Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is, I loved it, man. I, I was literally like smiling the whole time. Um, 
you, you've created this brand that's so ironic. Again, it's kind of where we started the conversation because we all know, like you, at least we, you and I know, and, and those of us that are successful in online business know that like, you don't start with being, you know, a deadbeat or a slacker or a, a loser, right? Like you actually, we worked hard. We earned it. Um, but it's like, everybody works hard. Like you said, everyone around you was working hard. I mean, that's how I, I look. I walk outside my neighborhood. I, I go around. I just went for a jog. I jog by a hundred plus houses of hardworking people, you know, and we all work hard at things. So you just got to look at your life and say, what do I really want out of life? And then based on that answer, choose what you're going to work hard at, right? And I got to imagine you're like me where at some point you looked at your life and said, what do I want out of life? And it, it, some, some part of it was freedom, time, you know, control over your time, not being told where to go and what to do and what to wear and how to show up and who, whose hand you had to shake every day. And, you know, is that, was that, have you always had kind of a drive for like freedom and self-determination, almost like a libertarian impulse? Well, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, like I said before, like really just to avoid the humiliation of being the subordinate. I mean, I think um, that's what I think freedom is, isn't it? Just being able to think for your brain, for your thought to reign supreme, in your life rather than someone else to dictate, you know, what you do and when you do it. I want, I want, can I ask you to say that again? For your thought to reign supreme in your own life. Yeah, yeah. So instead of having... That's, actually, that's like beautiful and poetic. So I just wanted to repeat it. Thanks for that. Well, that's to the quote list. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the attribution. Don't worry. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and I, I probably shouldn't say it, but I also think leader, leaders are typically highly um, higher on the narcissistic, narcissistic scale. So it's, it's harder for someone, uh, someone with, I, I already took the test. I'm, I'm like slightly above average. So, I mean, I don't think I'm a narcissistic person, but I think um, someone who considers themselves a leader will have to be a slight, a slight higher on a narcissism scale than someone else who doesn't. Um, so I think that is another driving factor. I, I find it very hard to, for someone to be kind of a very, I, I wouldn't say I, ha I have an ego, like the typical, uh, oh, that guy's very egotistical. But um, there's some, I think there's some relation to that as well. But I'm not, I, don't, I don't consider myself a narcissist. Just well, a, I, I mean, I, I met you. I can give you a first impression. You don't strike me as an ego-driven person at all. But what I think is plain to see is that you're unapologetic about seeing your own vision through into reality. And that may be a a more palatable way to describe, you know, you're using the term maybe slightly narcissistic. And, and I, I would, I mean, I wouldn't care if somebody said that about me. I mean, I take, I go, I take pictures of myself or I have a guy take, you know, okay, we're going to take 50 pictures of me so that we can carve them up and not carve them up, but like juxtapose them and superimpose them and make all these YouTube thumbnails and make quote cards. And, you know, at some level I had to get comfortable with the fact that like, yeah, I'm the brand, I'm the guy, I'm going to plaster myself all over the place. That's part of the gig, right? People want to say, oh, you're narcissistic. Well, I wouldn't look at it that way. I would say I have a really clear vision for my life for which I not only refuse to apologize, but also for which I'm willing to do what it takes to see it into reality. 
And if somebody wants to call me narcissistic for that, I would say, great, you're a pleaser. How's that working out for you? You know? Yeah, well, that, well, that is one of the, the, the only, I don't know if you've ever taken any of these tests, but the, the questions that determine if you have a narcissistic trait is whether or not you want to be successful, if you consider yourself to be successful, or if you consider yourself to be uh, famous in a way. But it's like, what if you are successful? What if you do have a, a following? Or what if you um, dream and think about success? Does that really make you a, a narcissistic person? I don't think it does. But maybe that's kind of like what it is to be a narcissistic person, to want to stand out and be successful above the average person. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's, that's a little bit off topic from what you were saying there, but uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well it's, well, it's interesting. It sounds like they must have made the test prior to the era of social media because, you know, I suppose there was a time in history when you said, you, if you said to somebody, well, hey, are you, are you famous in any way? Do you have a following? And they'd say yes. And you'd be like, well, you know, we've been, we, we've been tailing you for the last six months and you've actually, there are actually only seven people who know who you are, right? And so then that person, you'd be like, okay, maybe there's, maybe his mind, mentally, he's a little off from reality. But we live in a world now where, I don't know, I mean, you've got 200,000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Great. If I would expect you to answer that question and say, yeah, I have a following. A lot of people know who I am. You know, I could potentially be recognized in an airport like, that doesn't make you a narcissist. That makes you accurate, right? You know, I, the, the, the fact is, I think it's, and it's crazy, you know, because I work with so many people that are trying to achieve this result where they want this life. And I say to them, I say, listen, there's two things that two, the, two of the most powerful principles in marketing now are social media and video. And, and very often they overlap, Right. So the, the easiest way for you, you to achieve this result that you say you want is to get comfortable leveraging the tools of social media and video and to do those for a, you know, consistently over a long enough period of time that the quote algorithms will all start to work in your favor, right? And that's it. If somebody comes to me and they say, hey, I want to make $10,000 a month passively and be able to travel and have, you know, comfort without a job. I want to be successfully unemployed. That's the term I use for it. Um, and, and I want that in the next five years. I, I would, whatever, I would ask him a few more questions, but whatever strategy I would prescribe, it would probably involve leveraging the crap out of those two things, social media and video marketing, right? If I made a hundred of those plans, it would be actually really interesting. And I guess in a way I do this, it'd be interesting to see how many people would go, well, but I don't like, I'm not that comfortable promoting myself or yeah, but I don't want to come off like an egomaniac or yeah, but I don't want to seem like a narcissist or yeah, but social media is all about being vain and I'm not vain and I'm not comfortable with that. Or yeah, you know, yeah, 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 whatever. All these ways that we talk ourselves out of just doing the damn work. You don't make videos because you love it and you, you are trying to be the next Tom Cruise and have all these people look at you on camera. Are, I mean, right? That's not why you do it. No, I, I don't really, I don't really care too much for it. I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Like when you go to events and people say like, Oh yeah, I've seen your YouTube channel. It feels good a little bit, but um, for me, it's always just been a means to the end. To it's a it. means to an end. That's it. Yeah. And people are saying, I want the end, but I'm not willing to do the means because the means makes me feel uncomfortable because basically because of what other people are going to think. Because actually that's really what that is, right? It's like, no, I'm worried about how I'm going to be perceived. And it's weird because we live in a world now 
where we're, if, when you actually drill down into business and marketing now, it's all about architecting your own perception. In fact, I have a friend who owns a branding agency in Los Angeles, super smart guy. And you ask him what he does for a living. He says, I'm a perception architect. I teach people how to impact the way they're viewed in the world. I teach them how to architect their own perception. That's actually what marketing is. And yet people are so worried about how they're going to be perceived that they're not willing to do the work to architect how they're going to be perceived. And so we stay stuck. It's like, and, and, and you know, here's the thing. I, I don't do these interviews and I don't, I don't say these things because I want to like hammer people down and shame them and say, you know, come on, what's wrong with you? I'm saying all this to hopefully, insp- first of all, to, to hold a mirror up so people go, hey, that, there's some, tr- maybe, maybe some of this fits. Let me, let me try it on and see if it fits. But also to realize it actually doesn't have to be this way. And when you really hold it up against logical scrutiny, like you said, a lot of success is just about being rational. These things don't make sense. People are stopping themselves in many cases for reasons that don't make sense. And when I do these interviews, all I'm trying to do is bring people out so that people can look at a guy like you and say, hey, here's a guy that didn't stop himself for reasons that didn't make sense. And in fact, he empowered himself for reasons that did. And now look at the result that he's got. He gets to wear a bathrobe to work, right? It's amazing. So, so anyway, I just want to be clear. That's my, my intent here isn't to like harp on people. It's to hopefully rattle them a little and go, yeah, yeah, Dan did it. Um, so, so anyway, I'm, I'm kind of, now I'm on a tangent here, but if you would, uh, and actually I know, frankly, from a time standpoint, we probably should wrap because I don't want, you know, if we make this two hours long, very few people will actually watch the whole thing. Um, but I, I've really enjoyed this. So, but let me, let me end, maybe kind of bring us home with a question that uh, I, I tend to ask everyone and I would like to ask you, which is for the person who's watching this, who says, yeah, I get it. I can do it. And I'm not going to care what other people think. And I'm not going to listen to the naysayers. Just like Elon Musk didn't listen to the naysayers. I'm going to do it. What are they going to do? What would you advise them? Say, okay, great. If you want this kind of life, where you control your life, you control your time, you control your income, here's where I recommend that you start. What would your answer be? I'd first say just take a, a mental tally of experiences, skills, and passions. Try to figure out, let's say you, you have a job in, I don't know, rehab, like you help people get re- rehabilitated from drugs and alcohol. You can find there's so many offers out there, affiliate offers, where you can get two, three, four hundred dollars on referring someone to the proper rehab facility. So I don't, it's gotta be tough to be passionate about that topic. I'm sure there is someone passionate about that who's very experienced, they know the ins and outs of the business. Well, it'd be very easy for a person in that situation to create some unique type of angles and content that the average person wouldn't really know about uh, to be the expert, so to speak, in that space. So I take a, I, and I pick something you know, there's a line between passion and profit somewhere. I've made a lot of money off of things I don't care about. So you can do that. But um, I, I like my topic, uh, on, like online business is one of my favorite topics. I've health stuff too, like health channels. I, I don't necessarily like those. So, but I'm saying that you can make good money off of either one. But uh, the first thing would be to find a, a, some, find a market that people buy things in. So the easiest way to go to that is just look at, 
Go to Google, start typing in topics like fitness, health, or you can just go to sites like offervault.com and filter by top selling offers. Go to clickbank.com, find them with the, the types of products that are selling really well, and just see if you have anything that lines up with that. And then that'll at least kind of be a pinpoint to let you know that your topic is one that's valuable, that people will spend money for. Now, I try not to worry too much about competition. Um, it, I mean, it's, you, you want to be in a blue ocean if you can. I don't know if you've read, read the book, but it's kind of also, uh -huh. it's kind of like, it's not as easy as it sounds. So like, it's, it's not like you're just like, yeah, we could compete in the blue ocean. If a, if a niche is profitable, there's going to be a lot of people in there regardless. But a blue ocean for you could be maybe your unique experience that not many people have, or you have a specific problem that these other products don't solve, and that could eventually be your product. Or your product could just be a blog that teaches that unique little niche uh, that, that will be your blue ocean at least for like six to 12 months until someone else figures it out. But you got to start somewhere. So pick, pick a market that's valuable that you can make at least $150 to $100 a sale in commissions on. Um, that's a good starting point. Obviously, like the more commissions that you can make and if it's profitable, the better. But um, 50 to 100 bucks is a great starting point. Uh, then just start pumping out content. Make YouTube video, make blog posts, build an email list, funnel all that traffic from your blogs, your YouTube videos, your Facebook groups, whatever it is, into that email list. And then from the email list, start sending, I usually send the traffic back to my platforms to kind of build organically those platforms. So I kind of cycle it around. I find that to be valuable. And then also sell things. I start off as an affiliate, go to clickbank.com, amazon.com, find something related, start promoting it, buy it, you know, review it, start promoting it, and eventually, once that gets to make some money, maybe consider making your own product. And um, you know, you can do, if you really buckle down, you can do the first bit that I just talked about there. You can at least get it up and running in a couple weeks and several months, three, four, five, or five, even the first year, if you just focus on that, you'll be in a very good position to um, start expanding outwards in your, your space. So, yeah, I appreciate that answer very much. I mean, basically, the answer you gave was all sort of within the, the general category of like affiliate marketing, right? Like you would say, start by becoming an affiliate of, you know, certain products and certain categories and creating content in those categories and building a list in those categories and, you know, circulating and all that. Uh, I, I will tell you, I think I've asked this question of about a dozen people from all walks of life. I mean, I've asked people that run agencies. I've asked people that are coaches. I've asked people that are affiliate marketers. I've asked people that have e-com stores. I've asked people, you know, again, I've asked people in real estate and every single person to date has given some variation of affiliate marketing as the answer. So it's interesting I think at this point we can say amongst digital entrepreneurs, there is a consensus that if somebody's looking for a place to start, uh, affiliate marketing is, is the place to start, right? And your, uh, your program, Deadbeat, teaches affiliate marketing, right? Yeah, I have a, I have a newer one that I'm working on more for like ClickBank and um, digital, you know, digital offers like tools, services, and stuff like that. Um, okay. Yeah, that's the, one, that's the one I'm focused on now. Um, my Debbie Super Affiliate is more Amazon. It's just like I stopped updating that around 2018. So I'll come up with a new version of that soon. But right now, that's my main focus. It's called Stay Home Commissions. Um, just for the time. It's not the most creative name, but I figure why not just go with it. Well, it's, it's very, it sounds like very optimized from a keyword standpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so what, how would people then, if somebody wanted to come find you, I want to give you an opportunity to, 
to invite people to come find you and become a part of your world. You've shared a ton of value here, which by the way, I totally appreciate. This has been like way fun for me. It's why we've gone way over on time because I'm so excited. I don't know how to stop talking. Um, but uh, I want to, you to invite people to, to get to know you. So would you, would you want them to come follow you on social? Is there a, a URL you'd like them to come to to check out your products? Tell me what you want to share with the world. Yeah, uh, for, for Stam Commissions, stamcommissions.com. I released that in, uh, sometimes this, this week. Uh, okay. My YouTube channel, Deadbeat Super Affiliate, youtube.com slash Deadbeat Super Affiliate. And my blog is deadbeat.com. Happy I have deadbeat.com. I call That's small. a great domain, yeah. man. Yeah. I, I got to get you. You clearly, I mean, did, how long ago did you grab that? I'm curious. Uh, it was like a year ago. I, I've been wanting that domain for like 10 years and I finally was able to get it. And it was a small fortune to get that, but I'm, it's just, I need, I needed it. I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of, uh, well, I mean, why would I not get deadbeat.com? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, yeah. I know I've, I've paid small fortunes for domains before. <laughs> In fact, the one that I really want, which is entra.com because I have, I own, you know, my community is called entra nation and my, my education company is entra Institute. I just want entra, but it's owned by American express. Oh no, you're not getting so, that. I mean, I can't even get them to have a conversation with me. And it's probably for the best because I'm sure if I did, I'll bet you they'd want a million dollars for it or more. Like, or more, yeah, because I'm yeah. sure they have part built into their brand somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like $5 million or $10 million or something. So. Yeah, it's crazy, the domain names, man. If I could go back 10 years, I would just register a bunch of you know decent domain names and just sit on those. It's crazy how hard it is to get a .com, even over yeah. the – even just like three keywords smashed together are hard to find. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, uh, okay. So to reiterate, deadbeat.com. And I noticed on deadbeat.com, you've got links out to your Facebook, to your YouTube. Um, yeah. And, uh, but also on YouTube, they can find you at uh, Deadbeat Super Affiliate. And then your offer right now is stayathomecommissions.com. Stayhomecommissions.com. Oh, stay commissions.com. All right. I'll make sure we put a link to that in the description cool. at least yeah. on YouTube where this appears. Um, cool, man. Well, Dan, my, my deadbeat friend, I have, I have greatly enjoyed this and I just want to say again, how much I appreciate you taking your time and sharing this amazing value and, and information with people that is, has been hard won in the trenches for 20 years, man, 20 years online props to you for getting the, the, the advisory notice before the rest of us that this was a thing because I didn't get it till 2008. Still a great time. 2008 was a nice time. It's just, that was a great time. It was. And it's like you said, there's always where there's, where there's good opportunity, there's going to be competition. I think a lot of people may think all oh, internet marketing is harder now than it was. No, there's good. There's a lot of competition now because it's so good. Competition is validation. You, right? I mean, it's actually riskier to be in when it's, when there's less competition because then clearly the world hasn't just determined that it all works. Right. Yeah, totally. I agree. Uh, either it's proven. So why not go for it? Yeah. And, and, and that right now with everything going on in the world, like we talked about, you know, we've probably got a, a three to five years of the world vibrating its way back to normalcy. And in that time, I don't know, man. We might have seen the death of, of retail. You know, people talk about re retail is dying and the malls are, are becoming vacant. Like, this might truly be the nail in the coffin of mainstream retail. Because like you said, people are working from home. They're shopping from home. 
They're ordering food from home. They're getting their medications delivered. Who's going to go back to the stores? I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting time. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what uh, – you know, if you look back, it's never, it's never happened before, ever, in the history of – well, at least in the U.S., but I think in probably many countries also, too. It's yeah. really, really interesting, that's for sure. Cool, man. Well, thanks again for your time. Uh, everybody, go get to know Dan online. He's a fascinating guy with a ton of great information. And Dan, thanks again for being here. Appreciate thanks, you. Yeah, thanks. Of course. Of course. And thanks to everyone who supports my channel and my podcast. I appreciate you, uh, Entre Nation. I will catch you on the next one. Everyone take care. See you, Dan. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.